Welcome back to Tough Men of Faith. What's up, RT? Hey, Nick. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good. I'm uh, excited about our guest today. I am too. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard him speak in a few years. Well, I mean, you know, speak publicly yeah. in a few years. Well, without any more talking about it, let's introduce Marcus. Marcus. Hey, thanks for having me here today. Yeah. yeah. So, I thought I would start this way when I first met you, Marcus, then we can jump into your story and stuff. Awesome. So, I'm sure I've told the story before to you. But we're going back to early 2000s, I think, probably, because I didn't have kids yet. Mm-hmm, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Maybe my daughter was young. We're out at a park uh, here in Indianapolis, a park kind of outside the city mm. a little bit. I'm out there with my wife. We're just kind of enjoying the day. And there's these teenagers, looks like teenagers, young adults, playing like flag football or something, supposedly mm. flag football. <laughs> there's one person out there who's clearly, the, not clearly, but you can tell he's probably supposed to be the leader of the group, <laughs> the adult in charge. Yeah. He is destroying kids, like literally. Uh, There's nothing like pummeling kids and tripping them. Right. It was bad. So I remember seeing this one kid get up, and I'm sure like it looked like his shoulder was dislocated. Like it was bad. Yeah. So I told Karen, I was like, that dude's like a youth pastor or something's going on out there. It's like, but he looks like someone I want to get to know. Yeah, he enjoys beating up kids. I want to go meet this guy. So so somehow we ended up meeting um, that day. That was Marcus, right? And so we actually had a connection, went to the same. Bible college and a lot of mutual friends. And he was just, I don't think he'd been in the city all that long. Less than a year. Less than a year. Yeah. yeah. At that yeah. point. And so, uh, yeah, we've reconnected occasionally since then the last few years, spent some time together, serving some different ministries together yeah. and stuff. So yeah, that's how I first met him. So hmm. when we talk about tough men of faith, <laughs> Marcus Schrader, right? yeah. <laughs> oh, tough man, abuser that's... of faith. <laughs> yeah. That, that particular afternoon, we, I was part of a, a, a college that had just moved to Indy. Okay. And um, if that was the one, I normally wasn't that physical, but there was a kid there who didn't go to the college. He was just playing that day. Oh, yeah. His dad kind of worked there. Make sure we talk him all the I don't know if he'll it. be listening. He'd get on, his name was Manoa. But but actually, <laughs> he got a little physical with me, which was fine. I mean, you're out there, you know, that, that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he, um, I forget what happened, but if it, if it was that day, I did kind of hit him a little too hard and he went <laughs> flying out. And um, it was all good, but that's that's a funny story. Well, when I think about you, when we were talking, so I did go to uh, Baptist Bible College in yeah. Springfield, Missouri, and RT was there during a season when I was there too, and we probably played on the on the same basketball court because he played intramurals, I played intramurals, and so it's interesting to talk to someone years later that you're at the same college, you you know, did some of the same things yeah. together. But um, it's been awesome to see RT after going there, and then going to some other schools and getting his MDiv at Southern Seminary. I mean, I've been. I've known who you uh, are from afar, and it's been awesome to see God's hand of blessing in your life and your yeah. faithfulness to God. And so I'm, I feel very honored you invited me to be on this podcast today. Yeah, well, great to have you. I mean, you're, yeah. uh, I know Nick doesn't know you all that well, but uh, you will after today. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you're just an influencer in the city. Like any, mm. it seems like anywhere I go in the city, uh, you're either there or someone's talking about you. Oh, wow. Not in a negative way, well, but you know, well, not usually in a negative too. way. Oh, yeah. You need to do that yeah. occasionally. It makes people upset. But uh, yeah, you're just around everywhere. So we thought today we would just start out like, how did you get to where you're at now from mm-hmm. childhood? So how you came to Christ, you know, how many kids, marriage, sure. um, schooling, you know, what you do for a living, that type of thing. So sure. let's have you share that story. Now, Nick's going to interrupt you occasionally when you find something funny to say. I just want What's, to go ahead. I don't do that. <laughs> let's go ahead and forewarn you now. So yeah, yeah. So let's just kind of hear your story. Sure. Thanks. Well... You know, God has been so good to me and pretty much my whole life. I'm, I'm 48 years old. I'll tell you that. Um, I've been married. It'll be 26 years in July and I have seven kids. And I'll get to that maybe later. But just um, 
when I think about seven seven kids, kids, I do, yeah. (laughs) 23. I got a son who's 23. Nice. And then our youngest, we have a girl, Isabel, who's five. Okay. You know, and then there's five kids in between them. That's crazy. That's a big age range. See, I don't have any kids, so Uh that's a, when you say seven, that's a lot. Yeah. And people ask all the time, I mean, when people first get to know me and don't really know who I am, like they don't know I'm you know, in ministry or whatever, they're like, oh, are you Mormon right. or Catholic? <laughs> First is Catholic. Oh, you're, you're a good Catholic, right? <laughs> I was like, that's a hard one to answer. Do yeah. I want to say no? Right. And Catholic really means universal. I'm a good Catholic Christian, but um, then they say Mormon. Okay. Then after that, I'm like, no. Yeah. Now, then then I will say, I do homeschool. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's now it makes big sense. Big homeschool yeah. family. But yeah. But um, back to how I got to where I am today, and it's all by God's grace, and it goes back to my parents. I mean, the way my parents actually met, my dad was from Evansville, Indiana. My mom was from Lexington, Kentucky. And when they were in their mid-20s, they both ended up outside of New York City at this camp for inner-city kids, and they happened to be there around the the same week. Hmm. Mid-20s, they meet, and it was love at first sight. They talked that whole week, and within a year or two, they get married. Okay. So just the fact that that was God's sovereignty there for for them to meet there. But it goes back a little further than that. My father was not a believer. He's one of the few people. He went to Wheaton College. So Wheaton College is in Chicago. It's a Christian university. Okay. He went there as a non-believer. He was not a Christian. Okay. Um, and you like sign up for the wrong class or something? Wrong school? (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to make a believer out of me? You know, you did have to write a testimony to get in there. His mom, who was also not a believer, but she knew enough about the Bible, yeah. she wrote out a testimony for my dad. I guess it you know, plagiarized or whatever. Yeah. He gets in. Hold on a second. They'll go back but, and take degrees away now. I mean, hey, that was a long time ago, but but um it was in October of nineteen sixty, when my dad was eighteen, he gave his life to Christ. At Wheaton, they did share the gospel and he gave his life to Christ. Nice. So He's now he goes gets married. My dad went to seminary, and um, so I was born into a a good Christian home. And um, for those listening, you know, my dad one of his first jobs was at Tennessee Temple University. So um, that's a kind of fundamental Baptist school. And then my dad took a job at Liberty University. So maybe you've ever heard of Jerry Falwell, yeah. senior. I kind of a, I'm not going to say a claim to fame, but at 12 years old, I, I did receive Christ. I prayed to be saved uh, with my parents. I remember them talking about my, uh, it was around my birthday actually, and we were talking about physical birth and how that's important. But my, my mom mentioned that, that the most important birth is your, your spiritual birth, your rebirth, like when you give your life to Christ. Right. And I'd always, up to that point at 12, I'd always believed the gospel, but I never personally received it. So in September, of when I, uh, of 19, it would have been, I was 12 years old. So 1986, I gave my life to Christ. And kind of cool, Jerry Falwell Jr., you know, he led Liberty University, led Thomas Road Baptist Church. He led the moral majority, you know, in the in the 80s, he was a well-known figure. Uh, he baptized me uh, on a Sunday night at, at his church, Thomas Road Baptist Church. Now, does that really mean anything? But no, but some Baptists yeah, think that's cool. That's a cool, cool. story to yeah, tell. You, yeah. know, you know, got baptized by Jerry Falwell. <laughs> yeah. Got oh, baptized so. in a horse trough, so you know. <laughs> Nick did uh, way way better than way better than Jerry Falwell baptized you. Yeah, so that's <laughs> something to say anyway. It's one of my you know in the Baptist world that's my claim to fame. Yeah. Um, now of course years later when I went to Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, there were some people there that didn't really probably 
like Jerry Falwell, you know, he, he had kind of gone this. Uh, anyway, um, so back back to my story. Gave my life to Christ at 12, got baptized at 12. And then my father, so he taught Hebrew and Old Testament. So my whole life, I, I was in a home where my dad was a seminary professor. Okay. Basically, people looked to him as a Bible scholar. And it was interesting, even pastors of churches would talk to my dad like he was this, you know, oh, you know. Like he is somebody. You know, and, and, you know, and he he was a humble, he's still alive. My father's 81, and he'll probably listen to this here, hopefully in the next few days or weeks whenever you um, post it. But he was a humble man. He knew the Word of God pretty well. But I was raised, I mean, these theological issues out there, whatever they might be, you know, whether you're pre-mill or post-mill or all-mill or Arminian or Calvinist or whatever these issues are, you yeah. know, theological views, these were being discussed at the breakfast, lunch, and dinner table in my house all the time. People nice. would come over, so I'd hear these things. And so I tell people, nothing against Baptist Bible College, but I didn't really learn anything new to about my junior year because I was raised in a home where that's what we talked about. Yeah. Um, but in time, my dad did get a, get an off opportunity to go to Springfield, Missouri to teach in their seminary, their graduate school. That would have been in 1995. That's where y'all went to school? Yep, that's right. where I would have met RT at some at, at some point there. So in 95, 96, I arrived in Springfield at Baptist Bible College, um, and my parents wanted me to go there. I had felt called to a ministry. I'll never forget, at 16, so I was saved and baptized at 12. At 16, I went to a summer camp up in Word of Life Bible Institute up in Scroon Lake, New York, and a, a youth pastor preached uh, once one evening, and he talked about, how important it is that when you gave your life to Christ, you, you didn't just ask him to be your savior, but you were, you were, whether you knew it or not, you were making him the Lord of your life. And I remember the youth pastor saying, and if you didn't know that, I'm telling you now, yeah. he's not just your savior, he's your Lord. And he really encouraged all of us there. And I remember raising my hand at 16 saying, Lord, I will go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Some people call that dedicating your life to the Lord. I mean, there's some debate over that. Uh, whether you do that when you get saved or if it's a second thing you do like after. But anyway, I did dedicate my life to the Lord at 16. And I believe that was an important decision because from 16 on, in my mind, I just always felt like, I think I'm going to go into full-time ministry because I've dedicated my life to the Lord. Now, what I've learned since then, I would tell people, look, full-time ministry is a great thing to do if God's called you to that. But every Christian has dedicated life to the Lord right. and you're serving the Lord wherever you are. Right. But, um, I think that's important. I think there is this fallacy. Well, Full-time ministry is meant for some people. Yes. Um, but it's not meant for all of us. Exactly. And, uh, you know, we all find different ways that we can uh, contribute in, you know, do ministry, but not necessarily full-time. 100%. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So, but at 21 then, my dad was offered a job in Springfield at, at the seminary. I did, they, my parents, and I was still living at home. I was under their authority. I mean, I'm a big believer in the, the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. Yeah. And then in Ephesians 6, Paul says, children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. So at 21, I mean, I was working a job and my dad said to me, I think you should go to the Bible college. And to be honest, guys, I didn't want to go. Hmm. I, mean, I hadn't done school since I was about 17 or 18. I did not <laughs> want to do it. and um, But I did. And the rest is history. Four years of undergrad, got a bachelor's in pastoral studies. I thought about going to Southern Seminary, Master Seminary, where John MacArthur is, or another seminary in Detroit. I applied, but I decided to stay and go to seminary where my dad taught at um, Baptist Bible Graduate School of Theology. So that was another five years of my life. So I was in Springfield from 21, 21, 22, all the way to 29. 
Wow. And studying the Word of God. And um, I don't think that's for everybody, but for me, that was a foundational moment committing a lot of years. And I know Pastor Stringer knows that. Um, it's definitely been beneficial. But I, I met my wife in my freshman year. We got married after my sophomore year. And then about every two to three years, a, a kid just happened to come along, man. I, mean, I don't know what happened. <laughs> magic. Right? Yes, yeah. magic. <laughs> Crazy how that works. Yeah. It does get old. I mean, people, I've, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. Like, you know how that happens, right, right. Marcus? <laughs> yeah. And every time I have the same answer, I'll look at him kind of dazed like, no, how? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? Like, no, I don't know how it happened. Why do you even ask that? Yeah. You know? Like, well, you yeah, said I it kind of gets old. I was wondering where you're going with that, but that's, that's <laughs> not the heavy, not the making oh, okay. part. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that part doesn't get old. Right. Exactly. So, but, um, so I'll tell you this in seminary, I thought for sure, I'm going to go get out. My thought was I'll get offered a youth pastor job at a Baptist church. Yeah. Where you can trip kids and beat them up. Trip the kids. Yes. You know, <laughs> play flag football, push them out of bounds hard. Right. Um, <laughs> And then maybe work to an associate pastor role, and then eventually up to a senior pastor yeah. and be that. But God had a different plan. That school, I was you know beating up the kids on the football field. That, that was a school called Verity. And at 29, I had an opportunity to go to that school to be the dean of students. Okay. And it was actually up in Flint, Michigan. So that's where it was. And so I took that job. Dean of students. I taught Bible. I was up uh, there for two years. And then that school, uh, early 2000s, moved to Indianapolis. And that's what brought me to Indy. Okay. And I've been here in this area. Uh, actually, it was in 2000. Um, let me think real quick about that. 2006. So I've lived in the Indianapolis area now, you know, since 2006. Yeah. 16 years, roughly. Yeah. Ballpark it. And things didn't work out there. And what's interesting, I mean, I've learned, I've grown a lot in my life. And on the paradigm of Christianity, you, you know, independent Baptists, has a lot of variety and, and you know I, I um i appreciate my heritage and learning there but i was part of a group at that college rt where we were mm-hmm. they were more conservative and even in in legalistic than any baptist group i've ever been a part of it, it was this very unique group associated with a guy named bill gothard so if you've never heard of him don't worry about him if you've heard of him you know what i'm talking about <laughs> and um so needless to say sadly <laughs> Um, that school ended up eventually closing down. But before it did, um, I was offered a job at a college here in the area called Crossroads Bible College. Dr. Charles Ware, I don't know if he's ever, if you've heard him preach or not, but great preacher, great man of God. And they offered me a job in the summer of 2007 to go there and, and work at this Bible college full time. So I was there from 2007 all the way to July 1st, 2022. And um, that was at the pyramids, right? Well, it was on the east side of Indy for the longest time oh, okay. on Short Ridge Road, and then four years ago, that college moved to the pyramids, and so that's where it's at now. Have the only ever- reason I bring it up is uh, I remember you would, I think you did a men's retreat or something a few years ago, and you had said that you were at the pyramids. So anytime mm-hmm. I drive by the pyramids, I think I know a guy that works there. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's just the you know it's the one thing that just correlates the two together. So, yep. So then I worked at the pyramids for a while. I'll tell you this, my heart's always been, I, I, I know God's working through the local church, and he has since the, you know, I mean, since the church started in the first century. And so how I've been able to rec- rectify or reconcile, rectify or reconcile in my mind, work because a Bible college is a parachurch organization, right? It's not the church, it's a parachurch. But I've always looked at myself when I'm working there as we're 
helping the local church. The local church is where God wants people to be, to be uh, mentored and to grow and to be discipled by the pastor and the leadership at a church. And then as a Bible college, we're here supplementing that service and that ministry and, and teaching people to go out and do that. So I did that. But then a cool thing that happened actually about 10 years ago, and maybe a little bit later we'll talk more about it, because right now I'm, I'm not working full-time at a church or at a Bible college. I've transitioned to a, another ministry, and it's, it's, it's bringing chaplains. So if you think of chaplains, like military obviously has chaplains. Yep. RT is one. Hospitals have chaplains. Sports right. teams have chaplains. There's companies now, corporations and businesses, that'll bring on chaplains to provide the spiritual for the spiritual needs of their employees. Yeah. So 10 years ago, I didn't even know that was a thing. Right. And I run into people all the time that still don't know it's a thing. But um, I got into that about 10 years ago, and eventually what God's done over time is um, made it where I started my own chaplain organization where I work at full-time, and I ended up leaving the Bible college to focus on that because I see so much evangelism, discipleship that's happening through this chaplain ministry in, in um, companies. And then our goal as chaplains is to get them plugged into a local church. Because that's the next question. When somebody is right with the Lord or gets right with God, like, where do you go to church? Yeah. Or I live here. Where would be a good church? And so we get to see people plugged into the local church. Nice. So that's kind of what I'm focused on now in my ministry is um, workforce chaplains. And one of your guests you had on, Howard Bellamy, mm -hmm. he's one of our chaplains. God's brought in. We have over 30, 35 chaplains who okay. work with us. And that's, that's what I'm really excited about right now. And I just thank God that he... Um, has allowed me to be in ministry. I mean, in my mind, I don't, I don't really care. I mean, life is ministry. Everything yeah. we do is ministry. And if, and if I was a general contractor in a company, I could, I'd be doing ministry. Right. If I was a firefighter, a police officer, whatever, I am grateful that I get to do the ministry around the word where I get to talk to people about God, his word, how it applies to their life. And, um, it's really cool how you've you done know. ministry though. And you bounced around, uh, you know, four or five different things. And, uh, you know, you've got to put in some time there and, you get to minister to people in those different positions, not like your typical, you know, associate pastor, lead pastor role. I mean, you've just, you've done it in a different way. And I think it's just, you know, what people don't necessarily realize is that you can minister to people and you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be, you know, a youth pastor, an assistant pastor. You know, I mean, there's other ways to do ministry. 100%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Would you say you have like an entrepreneurial spirit? That's a good question. Um, if you asked me that question five years ago, yeah. I'd say no. Okay. My personality and, and the, the person I'd always been, I was more of, okay, tell me what my job is. Give yeah. me a certain paycheck, and I'll just put in the hours, and I'll just do it. And I don't, not entrepreneurial, but I feel like the Lord, I know later, because I listened to a couple of your podcasts, you might ask me a question about an influential book. Or a book that I've read. Okay, <laughs> right. so I, I've done my research yeah. here. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and throw out a book now. Because that's not going to be my answer of the most influential. Yeah. But I read a book called Halftime by Bob Hughes. And that book in the last five years of my life has been the most influential. And one of the things that book talked about is when you get to the halftime of your ministry or life or career or whatever, you may be somewhere in the 40s, 50s, whatever that might be. Maybe you've spent all this time, you know, providing for your family or trying to be successful or put in your work and... You know, maybe you get promoted here or there. You get to a past, maybe it's youth pastor, assistant pastor, senior pastor, or, you know, maybe it's a church of 50, then a church of 300 or whatever it might be. But you go from success to this idea of significance. And one of the questions he asks in the book is, what are you most passionate about? And whatever that is for me, it, it had turned into doing chaplaincy stuff work. And, and in the book, he ends it by saying, you know what? 
whatever it is you're most passionate about, just trust God, have faith, pray to God, get direction, and just do it. Yeah. Just go for it. Well, I was passionate about doing chaplaincy. And when I made that decision with God's leadership and his blessing, I believe, and I ran it by my dad, my wife, a few other godly men, they're like, go for it. I feel like, now, theologically speaking, I'm more, I'm a cessationist. I'm not charismatic Pentecostal, you know. I believe I have brothers and sisters in Christ in those camps, but that's not me. But I believe God somehow gave me the drive in some type of an entrepreneur or spirit or gifting that I never had. So, yeah, yeah and he's just blessed. But um, I've had people ask that because we've been pretty successful. When you look at employees served, companies served, we're growing pretty big. Right. Um, but no, I'm not a, I don't think I really have an entrepreneur spirit. I'm not a business guy. I just, I think God will bless whatever you, your hand finds to do when he's given you that to do. Yeah, bless it. I agree. So what kind of, because I would say you have that spirit, mm. um, or at least it, so at least something like inside of you clicked and maybe it's the Holy Spirit like prompting mm. you, mm-hmm. but there's this company that's not existing and you right. see a need mm. and you step out from a, when you had a pretty comfortable job. I mean, yeah, yeah. you had a good job. You had things going yeah. for you. Right. And so. You end up stepping away from all that, starting a company now where you have 30, 35 employees, service. You're pretty humble about it, but you're servicing some pretty big companies. Yeah. Um, you're really moving yeah. and making some things happen in this world. So, like, I guess, like, what we try to encourage guys, like, to see the thought process of, I think guys sometimes are, are unwilling to take risk. Mm. Like, we try to do what's safe mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because it's easier to get a job. You're paying the bills. Things are going good. So, what, what kind of advice or what, what was your thought process like in taking that risk? Because at some point you took some mm. risk to make this happen. 100%. Yeah. You're right. There's a couple answers. To be honest, you know, if you're on YouTube, you see these little short YouTube shorts. Or if you're on Facebook, you see yeah. these short videos. So did Jocko yell at you and that's what yeah. made you like? Well, <laughs> there were multiple, normally I guess guys, men, yeah. whoever. But whether Christian, not Christian, motivational speakers, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. Over the last five to eight years, I would see a lot of people say, things like just do it yeah like why just work for the man or just work for the corporation or why just be like you're Hold in on this... a second. you can't use that nike's not a sponsor yet <laughs> <laughs> but why you know don't be just this little mouse or rat that's in this rat race doing what everybody's doing and doing this thing and so you'd hear those type of things but to be honest the two things that that really got me to think outside the box was um some people say it was hudson taylor others attribute it to george mueller one of these men said this, that God's work, then in God's way, will never lack God's supply. So you think about it. So if God's called you to do something, he will provide. Now, that that's a spiritual, biblical-type motivation. You know, the world, like secular humanism, worldly stuff is, and I'm not saying it's all wrong, but like, man, it, you know, if you, if you it, just follow your heart, and if you have the thought, just do it, and you can do it, and you have the power to do it. Yeah. Now, I think there's some truth to that. But as a Christian... Yeah, you might have the power to do it, but you need God's blessing too. But I had faith that if I if I took a step of faith and left where I was comfortable for years and did something a little thing, because I started this nonprofit as, an, as a nonprofit workforce chaplains, and for me to be able to pay the bills for my wife and my kids and to be where I needed to be and to even get close to where I was in my previous job or go beyond that, I mean, it was a risk. But for me, I just had total confidence that God was going to provide. Yep. And, and, um, and he has come through, but as men, no, I do think, I think more men need to start their own small business, mm-hmm. need to, you need to work 
if they can work for themselves yeah. um, for multiple reasons. Cause then they can be there for their wife. They have more flexibility for their spouses, for their kids. It gives you more incentive and motivation to make money. Cause one thing I learned, I could put in a 40 hour week or an 80 hour week, but in ministry sometimes, or maybe for an organization, whether it's a college, whatever it might be. I mean, you're doing it for the Lord and you're doing it for others, but from a financial standpoint, it doesn't benefit you at all. Yeah, right. And I can see what I think about people with government jobs. They're going to make their 60 grand, whether they work hard or don't work hard. Yep. And what's going to happen if there's no incentive. So one thing that's happened for me, I guess, as entrepreneur, I realized if we land another company and we're going to serve another thousand employees and this company's going to pay us to do it, I can give more chaplains work. Yeah. I have more margin for our company. Right. There is a benefit for me versus I did work for the largest chaplain agency in America, in the world, actually marketplace chaplains from Texas. And I started out at a certain hourly rate, and five years later, I was at a certain hourly rate. Right. I could have been the best chaplain in the world, which I wasn't, but I'm still at that rate. Yeah. And I thought, so that entrepreneur, I, I, I would tell anyone, if you stay humble and you ask for God's help, start your own thing, whether it's starting a new church yeah. or a, a business. Yeah. How many, uh, you may not know this, like mm-hmm. how many employees do you not like number of employees but like if yeah. you took all the employees that work at these places mm-hmm. how many do you serve total? yeah we're people? close to 30,000 yeah. we serve one company here in India they're all over Indiana they have a hundred sites up but they have 10,000 employees wow we serve another one that has 5,000 one that has 4,000 and then we serve companies with 30 people okay a hundred but if you add it up it's about 30 and what it gets me excited when we share our offering with the company, we're, we're there for the employee and their immediate family. Yeah. So if you think nice. that most employees might have a spouse or a boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe they have kids, let's just say you could take that 30,000. They might represent 60 to 90,000 yeah. people. And, and we're there for spiritual care. It's pretty crazy to think that secular companies, if, I don't know if secular is the best term, just a corporate company trying yeah, to make yeah. for profit, yeah. are paying a nonprofit Christian ministry money to provide spiritual care to their employees. Exactly. It's it blows my mind, but that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we're gonna wrap it up here and come back next week if you got time. Um, sure. With, with some more, uh, just getting into like, we got some more questions for you. But yeah, yeah it's been crazy to hear uh, your yeah. story here. And I was just thinking, like, when you're talking, when you were 16 years old, you raised your hand, like going all in or dedicating your life. Mm-hmm. You probably never thought at that time mm-hmm. that you'd be leading a, a nonprofit ministry that's servicing 60 to 90 thousand people in. The, in no, the state, no right? way. Like how yeah. God, we say it all the time, which I'm not trying to offend you with this, but we can't believe that God uses like messed up people like us. Like if God can use Nick, God can use anybody. It's my favorite line to use. <laughs> so, wow. But, thanks, man. Hey. No, you're right though. Yeah. You are right. We're all sinners saved by yeah. grace. We still struggle with our sin nature. I'm right there with you. It, yeah. it, if God can use me, it's like he can use anybody. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's wrap this up because yep. we're getting a little bit long on time. Then we'll jump back to it next week. Yep. So thanks for listening. Uh, make sure to listen next week for part two with Marcus yep. Schrader. Share this on uh, your social medias. And I think uh, Blake got the shirts in the as shirts well. In? So I think yeah, he's so uh, selling some Tough Men of Face shirts for like, I don't know, 23 bucks or something. How do they get them? Facebook. Yeah, All right. hit the message Facebook page. Facebook. Yeah, message him. Blake will respond. He'll Did you say on the right Facebook? Away. On the Facebook the page. Facebook. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> See you guys next week.